When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 585 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We are coming to you on Wednesday morning, January 24th, 2024, and Duke is back in the win column after an 83-69 to victory over the Louisville Cardinals. We are going to recap all that. First off, I am Donald Wine. I'm your host for this episode. Jason Evans is still off somewhere in the South, South Atlantic, South Pacific. He's off being a pirate in Antarctica. So with me... I have from Locked On Blue Devils podcast. I have JJ Jackson. JJ, it's good to see you, my man. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Donald. Excited to be here. Uh, enjoyed my last visit with you guys. And yeah, anytime I can pinch hit or be a part of the team for you guys. And while Jason's off doing very exciting things, I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, he's looking at penguins. We're looking at cardinals. We're, they're two different <laughs> animals. But first off. Before we get into the headlines, you know, there's the initial thought of, hey, we had Jeremy Roach back in this game. He started. So did Mark Mitchell. Of course, Jeremy Roach then left the game briefly. He rolled his ankle. I know he was out for a knee injury before. This is a different injury. He slightly rolled his ankle on a, on a layup where he made the basket, but he kind of came down on uh, slightly on the foot of another player. He left briefly in the first half, then came back towards the end of the first half. And then in the second half, it almost seemed like he just, he just, I don't know if he came out and it swelled up on him, but very quickly he was back on the bench and uh, was out for the rest of the game. When we look at Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell, obviously we'll talk about Mark Mitchell quite a bit in just a minute, but in the case of Jeremy Roach, the, the idea that he now has another injury that we need to deal with, what is that, you know, your thoughts initially on when you saw it happen and, and I guess how you battled back at least initially trying to stay in the game. Yeah. Well, Donald, first and foremost, I always like to consider myself optimistic by nature, but going into the Louisville game, there was part of me that felt like I just didn't know we'd see either of the guys playing. I agree. I told my best friends, I was like, they're not playing most likely because why would you need them? Right. It's not a good team. And clearly they're going through some injury concerns John Shire was pretty vague and that, you know, we've got to get them out on the practice court before they can come back to a game. And then, you know, you flip the game on and wow, both of them are playing. And then to your point, they're both starting like they're back. It's great. Uh, but for Jeremy Roach to get hobbled uh, yet again, it's just incredibly frustrating because of the season that he's having. He's clearly been an absolute leader on this basketball team. Uh, not always the best player talent-wise out there on the floor, but you know what you're going to get out of him night in and night out, and he absolutely delivers stars in his role. And, yeah, just to see him kind of hobbled again was pretty frustrating. I think, to your point, the ankle is more of a concern following last night's game. It did feel like the the knee injury was in a better spot. So, 
maybe just, you know, a couple of days here of more rest uh, prior to Saturday's game against Clemson. And then Roach will be ready to go fully. But uh, yeah, just kind of can't catch a break sometimes yeah, with these injuries. Definitely man. can't catch a break. And he looks he looks solid. I know we won't talk about him that much on this on this episode because he, he didn't play as much, but he he I thought he was solid in the time that he was on the floor. All right, let's get to the headlines. And JJ, I know you don't have access to these, but let me tell y'all out there, this is probably the best set of headlines we have ever received. There are a ton of them that I had to edit out. I told JJ before the show that I had about 15 that I really, really loved. And there was another 30 or so that I really liked and I couldn't do all of them. So here are the, what I believe to be the best of the best. And I, again, thank you to everybody who sent in headlines to DBR podcast at gmail.com. I start with Jared Strauss. Oh yeah. Go ahead, JJ. You've set this up, Donald. And like, I like to say with my fellow uh, DBR loyalists out there, this is always one of my favorite segments. I think there's such a creative listening community so you've hyped me up here, Donald. I'm excited to hear some of these. I, I'm, I'm excited to read them. Uh, <laughs> these are really good. So I start with Jared Strauss. And again, some of these, a lot of these dealt with uh, the fact that we were playing, you know, the Cardinals go by the cards, but, you know, a lot of deck shuffling, that sort of thing. So Jared Strauss leads with dealt another injury and playing without a full deck. Duke shuffles by cards. I thought that was great. Josh Levinson also writes in frequently, gives us some really good ones. He writes, Reese is trump card. Mitchell follows suit, and Devils show heart in spades as Devil down Devils down Louisville. Alliteration, play on cards, love it. That's perfect, Terrific. Josh. Thank you. <laughs> um, John Grantland wrote in this morning. He came in with the he just came in with the zinger. Sometimes he throws haymakers right before we're about to record, and this was no different. Double doubles deal the Devils a much needed win against the Cards. He knows we love alliteration on this show, and that was a great one. Nate Damon. He wrote, someone call a proctor. This team is in serious pain, and pain is spelled like Kenny Payne, the uh, head coach <laughs> of the Louisville Cardinals. Again, a, a, an opportunity for Louisville to really get a big win and for Kenny Payne to kind of, you know, lessen the hot seat or at least, at least cool it down somewhat, and they ended up coming up short. The K-Man, David Kerman, always comes in. He actually wrote us one before the game even started, like a day ago, and then only had to edit a couple of these words in here. But he wrote, it's not in the cards. Proctor and Mitchell bury the birds. Another one, Jamie and Samantha Keffer. Proctor and Mitchell served up hot plate of Kentucky Fried Cardinal at the Yum Center. Again, brilliant. Referencing KFC, you got the <laughs> Cardinal, the Yum Center. What more can you want? Now I'm hungry. And the final one, JJ, I think this, this is honestly one of the best ones we've received ever on this show. Eric Blumenfeld wrote in, he, he had a bunch of them, but Eric Blumenfeld wrote, Devil's surprisingly tough test is, fortunately, well proctored. I thought that was brilliant. It didn't have to really preference the cards, but hey, that was a tough test that we saw from Louisville. And of course, he mentions Tyrese Proctor, who we will talk about in just a minute. Tyrese Proctor stepping up big time. JJ, any of those that you particularly liked? Yeah, proctoring an exam as the son of an educator, that that's an awesome touch right there. The the play on, uh, you know, going to the KFC Yum Center back there in the state of Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Fried Cardinal, that's just, wow, the, this is incredible. Those are great. Yeah, so thank you to everybody who submitted uh, endless amounts of headlines. Again, dbrpodcast at gmail.com after every game. Send us your headlines that kind of tell us the story of this game. All right, JJ, we moved to the good, and there was a lot to talk about in this game. I want to start with this. The passing early, I thought was 
crucial in getting us off to it, it wasn't the fastest of starts, but once the passing really began to pick up, it really forced Louisville to really be on their heels. We talked about how before the show, uh, at least in the last show, that Louisville cannot play well when teams pass well on them. And I thought that was showing quite well. The skip passing, I think, might have been the MVP of this game because we saw a lot of skip passes that led to a lot of open baskets. Yeah, I'm immediately thinking of one later in the second half when, when Filipowski kind of goes cross-court um, there in the post. You're right, though. When, when Duke passes the basketball, great things are happening for this team. We look at the numbers from last night, 15 assists on 29 made buckets. So a good split there. You'd love to see it a little bit more in favor of assist to field goals. But nonetheless, Duke was taking advantage of those opportunities, catching the ball when an open look was there. McCain had a couple of strong knockdown catch and shoots. Filipowski had a couple of like really easy dunks right there at the rim early in the game, set up by some nice passes as well. Yeah, let's talk about a couple of the guys that I thought performed well. I I, I I think we should start with Tyrese Proctor, but I also want to loop in Mark Mitchell because, again, Mark Mitchell comes back from the sprained knee, and immediately, you talked about some of the passing, immediately, right off the opening tip, Kyle Filipowski gets the ball in the post and immediately find, kind of backs up and finds Mark Mitchell open up underneath for an easy dunk right on the opening possession. Mark Mitchell established himself very early. He was 5-for-5. Five five, very late into the first half, he ended up with 20 points, 12 rebounds, one assist, and one steal. Also, when you talk about Jeremy Roach and the injury that he had, you have a guy that steps up in Tyrese Proctor, and Tyrese Proctor has his, probably his, one of his best games as a Blue Devil, 24 points, four assists, and had a couple of crucial, you mentioned a couple threes. He had a couple of those crucial threes, including one in the second half, that kind of stopped the momentum that Louisville had at that point and really turned the game around and said, Duke is going to take this hands down. But talk about one of those two players or both of those players and how they played last night. Yeah, just in Mark Mitchell, first off, it being the guy that's coming back from an injury after missing two games, not just one. And again, I, I still seriously felt like, okay, going into the Louisville game, if anybody comes back of the two between Roach and Mitchell, just from what we had been told, just kind of looking at the injuries itself, I would have thought it had been Roach, not Mark Mitchell. And then to your point, Donald, the very first possession of the game, really, you're getting this open, clean look underneath where Mark Mitchell's explosive. You're seeing him finish above the rim, and immediately for him, that's got to be like, all right, I just you know jumped up, dunked, feeling good, landed strong, let's get back and keep playing. So uh, what Duke got out of Mark Mitchell last night I thought was absolutely uh, amazing to finish with a double-double, 20 points, 12 rebounds, to start so strong from the floor, taking a while to miss his first shot out there. Uh, I was really, really impressed with Mark Mitchell. So I'd have to start with him equally as impressed with Tyrese Proctor. But like I said, just the fact that early in the game, Donald, you can have an athletic play at the rim, know your body is up to up to speed, ready to go throughout a game. I thought that was huge for Duke. This is not my play of the game, but this I thought was a play that I, I three weeks ago I thought would never be able to happen. There was a play early in the first half. Again, Mark Mitchell's cooking. He, I think he has eight points at this point. He gets the ball. The ball gets passed around the perimeter several times, and he finds himself in the corner at the three-point line with a guy in his face. And everyone's probably thinking, yo, he's about to shoot this three. He pump fakes and sends the guy kind of up in the air, his defender, 
and just enough for him to drive by him. Kind of, he basically drove along the baseline and laid it in off the glass for, I think that was his 10 point. But again, three weeks ago, this man could not hit water from a boat from beyond the arc. And if someone, if he tried to pump fake, there'd be nobody within 15 feet of him. Just that confidence from those, that game where he hit two threes has made it where teams now have to play at least a little bit of token defense on him and has allowed him to kind of open up and create some of this open space on his own, driving the lane, getting slashing to the basket and getting buckets. I thought, again, it was one of those things where as soon as he started to shoot, I was like, I know he's not shooting this, but then when he pump faked, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm sure that guy is going to hate himself today when he watches the, the replay and watches that play where he sees himself go up in the air on a guy who's shooting 10% from three-point land, only to see him just casually drive by him and lay it in. I thought it was great. And, and again, it shows that not just, you know, Mark Mitchell's not just healthy, but he's, his confidence is starting to get back too, which I think is great. That really helps this team. Yeah, I mean, had he play from him there, eight of 11 from the floor, no three-point attempts. And to your point, Don, not that we're against three-point shots from Mark Mitchell. Clearly, we saw it a year ago. We have seen it. In this recent stretch of games before his injury, he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable with that. But those just weren't the looks that Mitchell was getting. And so to his credit, he's not trying to force it. He's finding an open spot kind of in that dunker spot down underneath uh, and was able to make great plays out of it. So I thought his shot selection uh, was exactly where it needed to be. Four more makes from the free throw line. My goodness, it feels like the guy takes a million free throws every single game, which is great because early in the year when we weren't seeing as many shot makes from the floor with Mitchell, his points were coming from the free throw line. So you wouldn't want to necessarily see all of a sudden the points coming from the floor and no more work being done from the charity strike. Now he's combining it all together and he's turning into quite the player for Duke. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought, again, especially coming back from a knee injury, that's always an iffy situation and how, how much you can go. I thought he went super well last night, and again, 20 points. He He's starting to find his mojo on offense, and the defense is there again with the 12 rebounds and the steal. Another guy who I thought didn't have the best night offensively, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because he had 17 points, is Kyle Filipowski. But what Kyle Filipowski did on all other aspects of the floor I thought was sensational. 17 points, 15 rebounds, five assists. We mentioned the fact that he was active early and it wasn't necessarily through scoring the basket. It was scoring the basketball. It was by passing the basketball to his teammates. He had a lot of hockey assists, as some readers pointed out. He had one he had one steal and one block. So he had a 10-5-5 game. And it didn't feel like offensively he was all there. He was very frustrated by a lot of no calls. He got, you know, a couple of fouls called on him that I thought, you know, were kind of borderline. But I thought he was able, especially on defense to clean the glass up. We killed them on, on rebounding 43 to 28 offensive rebounding. We had 15 offensive rebounds to Louisville's 21 defensive rebounds. So you love that, that that's like a 40% uh, rate of getting the offensive rebound, but it was led by Kyle Filipowski really establishing himself. And in the second half, when we needed to get points from him, we got points from him. So I, I, I feel like he struggled at times in this game, but I liked the way he battled through those struggles. Yeah, really happy with Duke's team effort on the glass. And it started with Kyle Filipowski grabbing those 15 rebounds, one of his best rebounding efforts that he's had in his entire career so far. I love seeing that. There's so many times when you're watching flip play and the shot is not falling from the outside. 
some of his numbers can you you don't see them as easily, right? You're obviously fascinated by the seven footer who's so far away from the rim and shooting the outside shot, but still to find ways to be impactful on the glass. And then we talked about passing the basketball. He's got a team high five assists in the win last night. I thought it was a really good Filipowski game, despite the fact he wasn't the most efficient shooter from the floor. He found other ways to be impactful. Absolutely. Um, the last good that I had, and JJ, I'll, I'll give it to you for the, for the final word on the good, but Sean Stewart. Now, you're probably thinking, Sean Stewart, what are, you know, what are we talking about Sean Stewart for? Sean Stewart had 15 minutes on the floor last night. And again, I think part of that was due to there wasn't a lot of TJ, or there was no TJ power. There wasn't a lot of Ryan Young. But Sean Stewart comes in. I thought he had excellent defense. He showed up. He had six uh, six boards, two blocks, and he was active. He was energetic during a time where we were, it kind of felt like the energy was zapped out of us, especially to start that second half. He came in and I thought he provided a lot of energy off the bench. And while he wasn't productive offensively, he only had two points offensively. I thought on defense, he showed up and showed and used his athleticism in the way that we want to see from him. That those flashes of just going up there and manually, there's one block where, the 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 guys were so like so surprised that he was able to get up there and block it that they're convinced that the ball was coming down and it was a goaltend and it wasn't it was just he got up there so quickly and, and so high that it was still going up when he was throwing it into the stands i thought what he did again micro burst of, of of energy was really helpful in helping kind of calm us down and also getting us over the hump in the second half Big for Sean Stewart to turn the corner to become more of a um, part of this basketball team in terms of what you're able to do out there on the floor. The third most minutes that we've seen Stewart play in a game this season, he was out there for 15 last night. The only game where he had more were non-conference games against LaSalle and Bucknell. So clearly a guy that I think will earn more opportunities to be out there in the game with the Stuke basketball team, you talk about uh, the six rebounds, two blocks, and made both of his free throw attempts. All in all, a really good game for Sean Stewart. And you're right, Donald. We definitely need to uh, show him some love because uh, that was awesome to see, considering kind of the frustrations and the lack of depth of this team so far. You want to see it a little bit more from the freshmen. So, yeah, that was big to get Stewart back out there. Yeah, and I, I, I told you I had that was my last good, but I did have one more that I wanted to point out, and I thought that – it it shows through that energy. We had energy at the start of the game. It wasn't the best of starts. So it wasn't necessarily a slow start, but it wasn't the best of starts. But we showed that energy, I thought, throughout most of the first half. There was a point in the second half where, again, Louisville was slowly crawling themselves back into the game. I think they got down to within six or five points. And then all of a sudden, we kind of pull, turned it on and, again, slowly pulled away. Louisville was trying their fighting. But I liked how we closed out this game. We've talked about how sometimes in these games we don't close out the halves well and we have to worry about the middle portions of the halves to kind of get us through. But I thought we closed out the half super well. And I, I was very proud of the fact that, you know, this could have been a game that could have turned on his head and Louisville could have used momentum to kind of take the lead. And we just did not let them do that. We we kind of stuck down. We got back to what we were doing well in the first half. And again, we had some guys step up like, you know, Mark Mitchell and, and Tyrus Proctor, and even Kyle Filipowski down the stretch with his rebounding. I thought those guys stepped up and performed well 
to get us out of there with, a, a, again, a 14-point victory that when you look at it, it doesn't feel like we struggled, but it you know it, we had those struggles and we were able to battle through them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Excited to, get to kind of see the resolve for the Stuke basketball team in the second half. You know, the game got a little close at times, but big plays were made. And I think, Donald, that's kind of how we go back to Tyrese Proctor. Do want to make sure I give him a little bit more love when we talk Proctor and Mitchell kind of being the lead guys for Duke. You mentioned it earlier, a career-high 24 points for Proctor, the most shots he's ever made from the floor in a game. Had a couple of really strong drives and finishes. I know we want to talk Mm -hmm. about that three-point shot a good bit as well, but Duke needed somebody to step up with Jeremy Roach out for the majority of the second half with that ankle injury and the up-and-down year Proctor has had, people having the conversations of him not living up to kind of this lottery pick hype and whatnot. He played like a lottery pick last night, and so when that happens, I think it's important to recognize it. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought – I think that last portion is right, right? We were talking about, we've talked all year about some of these sophomores just not performing up to what we thought they would be as sophomores. They're they're kind of playing in some ways, in some days, the same as they were as freshmen, which is still good. But they it, they haven't shown that demonstrable leap in certain areas. Tyrese Proctor took a couple leaps last night. I thought that was great. JJ, anything else from the good before we wrap up this portion? Yeah, one last good for me, Donald. I, I just think the first half as a whole do want to recognize what Duke was able to do against this Louisville team. 45 points in one half of play, really great for what we've seen from this Duke basketball team. I know there were a lot of people uh, that missed the first half. I saw folks online being like, wow, 40, you know, like surprised when you get to turn into the game coming out of the halftime break. And it's a 11-point lead for Duke. 45 points in the first half. And how many times this year have you been a little frustrated by the slow starts from the Stuke team? There have been way too many games where the shooting isn't great in the first half. And then in the second half, it picks up and you're able to put together a really strong second half performance. But offensively from the floor, I loved what we saw from the Stuke team setting the tone. It buys you that cushion that made the second half a little bit more comfortable for me. While it is frustrating what took place a little bit uh, on the offensive end for Duke, if you don't have the first half, this game is an entirely different story. So I do want people to uh, kind of appreciate the quick start that Duke got off to because there are several games this season where that has not been the case. Donald, you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I am glad you mentioned the details of watching the game versus like the people who were checking the box scores and saying, why are we so close? Right. Like, and and, and, you know, we we come up in an era where we're used to having some of these games where we're like, Oh, we should be beating this team by 40. Like we're due. We should be beating this team by 40. And that's, it's a totally fair, you know, feeling to have. I have those feelings for some of these games. So, but it also paints the picture of why people would be frustrated when they see that we're only up 11. But when you look at, as you said, when you watch the game, you look at how we played, I thought we played sensational in the first half for most of it, right? Like 90% of the first half, I thought we played incredibly well with the passing and, of course, knocking down some big buckets. All right, we're going to leave it here in the good. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. We'll deal with what we need to improve from this game, and also we'll give up play of the game and talk to JJ more about the Locked On Blue Devils podcast and what he's doing over there, so stick around. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, 
Leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. All right, we are back and we are going to shift to some of the things that need to uh, improve, the things we need to work on from this game. And, and JJ, I'll start with this. I think we, we just talked before the break about how people might be frustrated at how this game got close. And sure, I think that frustration shouldn't be, as you mentioned, focused on the first half. This time around, it should be focused on the second half. We came out kind of lethargic and, and that energy that we had just wasn't present in the first five to 10 minutes of the second half, and that was what allowed Louisville. It wasn't a huge, uh, you know, run that they went on. It wasn't like they they quickly. I, I've talked about some of the quick runs that we've given up, where someone scores nine points in forty seconds or something like that. This was more of a slow burn. And when you kind of looked up with ten minutes left in the game, you you realized that Duke wasn't up eleven. They weren't up eighteen. They were only up five or six, and they had to kind of figure out a way to stem that tide and that slow you know, crawl back that Louisville is having. What did you see in the in the start of the second half that would give you frustration or give everyone frustration about how this game transpired? Yeah, I think a lot of it when you're talking about that second half is going to go to the defensive end of the floor because you saw a little bit more uh, energy from the Louisville squad, in particular right out of the gates, making those runs to cut back into the game. And oftentimes um, – it, it, it seems cliche almost, but I felt like the whistles had such an impact on what Duke was doing on the defensive end of the floor. Not that they were bad calls or I don't want to go in that direction at all, but Donald, let's look at it. 22 fouls called against Duke last night. That's one of the highest totals that we've seen this entire season. Even a game last week where you lose against Pitt, only 16 fouls were called against the Blue Devils in that game. And I could see, and I'm sure everyone else watching the game could see a level of visible frustration from the Duke end on the defensive end of the floor. And then you're questioning how aggressive can I be here? Should I be aggressive? The foul, you know, the whistle's always blowing. And in a way, I just felt like that kind of got in Duke's head because what happened was you saw Louisville go to the free throw line more in the second half. Tyler Johnson, their freshman guard makes four quick free throws early, uh, gets them kind of settled in a little bit. Huntley Hatfield goes and takes a lot of shots from the free throw line. And I think that just opened up everything else 
for this Cardinal team. Yeah, Mike James, uh, you mentioned those other two. Mike James drew seven fouls against Duke. Again, we had a game just recently where Kyle Filipowski drew nine fouls on, I, I believe it was uh, uh, Pitt. And I, I think when you have a guy going that you're going to and all they're doing is just getting fouled and going to the line, that, again, yes, that helps you cut the lead down when there's not a lot uh, of time taken off the clock. But at the same time, I also think you mentioned the defensive part. I thought, you know, John Shire in his press conference mentioned that they kind of, you know, Louisville kind of lived in the paint for the first 10 minutes of the second half last night. And that was how they were able to get a lot of points. I think on the other end, on the offensive end for Duke, we didn't move the ball around as well as we did in the first half. You know, we you, you mentioned the assist uh, to made baskets ratio, which was fairly high for the game. We only had five assists in the second half. And I think it just felt like a lot of guys were trying to take matters into their own hands to try and stem the tide. And then they realized they need to get back to what they did best, which was moving the ball around and getting Louisville off their heels. I think one thing I wanted to point out was I think the perimeter defense struggled. And it's, it's weird to say this, the defense struggled on the perimeter because the offense, our freshman guards, I thought struggled and it kind of got them down. You know, Caleb Foster didn't have any points. Jeremy McCain, he hit a couple of shots. It wasn't falling as well as it has been lately. He ended up with 10 points, but it felt like on defense, the two of them were very frustrated. A lot of those fouls that you were talking about were picked up by those guys. Uh, Jeremy McCain had to sit out very early in the first half due to picking up two quick fouls. And they, it wasn't, as you mentioned, it wasn't, you know, bad calls. They were, you know, I would say they were ticky-tack fouls, but they were fouls nonetheless. But those little things kind of take you out of your rhythm and out of your game. Yeah, I went to just verify. And again, I want to make sure that these numbers were accurate, and they are. 24, excuse me, 22 fouls for Duke last night was the second most that they had this entire season. 24 mm -hmm. against Arkansas. Louisville attempted 24 free throws, second most this season. Arkansas attempted 30. So, our eyes were definitely following the trends there uh, statistically on the defensive end of the floor. And so I just, I, I really do. I think that to your point, the freshman guards being impacted as what's going on on the defensive end carried over to the offensive side. And then also look, their free throws, their freebies if a make, and you've got to bring the ball up the floor. Whereas when Duke's able to rebound, get out and run and transition a little bit and kind of dictate the flow of the game, that's where we've seen Duke be at their best this entire season, and that just was not happening uh, in the game last night. The, the pace was definitely dictated by Duke's inability to defend without fouling. I Yeah, I think that's 100% on point because we're a team that usually uses our defense to dictate the flow and pace of the game. The, you and know, everyone wants it was to the opposite. Duke for a Duke lot of has the calls, you know, like this is Duke basketball. They're going to get all the calls. And, and yeah, sure. You look at some of the games, the free throw discrepancy has made you raise your eyebrows a little bit because Duke has shot way more than their opponent has. But this was a game where that just was not the case. Duke had to obviously find other ways to execute on the defensive end of the floor uh, and score on the offensive end as well. I should note that uh, right as the game started, they mentioned the, uh, the referees of the game and Roger Ayers was one of them. If you, if you don't know who Roger Ayers is, uh, he's, he's a pain in, in my side every single time. And I've texted my best friend. I said, Oh crap, Roger Ayers is, is in this game. And the reason why I say that is because again, you had McCain go out with those early two fouls. They had a couple of steals early in the game where both Caleb Foster 
went up for a layup. He misses it. He draws contact, gets no call. And maybe like a player or two later, McCain does the same thing. He drives down. He lays it up. He gets he gets hacked. No call. But on the other end, Roger Ayers loves to call the perimeter defense tight. He is one guy who was a stickler for making sure that the perimeter defenders keep their hands to themselves and don't try to you know reach in. So it's it's interesting that we had that dichotomy of inside. They were, it was kind of letting them do their thing for a little bit before they kind of settled down. But the tempo was set and the defensive uh, pressure was set in part by being very strict with with some of the calls on the perimeter. And I, again, it's not about the calls being bad. When you have a game like that, when the calls are being called very tightly, it makes you have to back up a little bit. But that just that inch allows them to do a little bit more with the basketball, allows them to drive past you a little bit quicker, take the shot uh, with a little bit more space pass the ball the the passing lane is a little bit more open and those little details again if you watch this game those little details are what led Louisville to not have a, a quick run but again to have that slow burn of a run to kind of build up some momentum build up some tempo and kind of make it where they were dictating the flow of things for quite a while in the second half until we were able to really stem the tide and bring it back to our uh style of basketball to close out the game uh JJ I, that's all I have in a bat is there anything else you had no, I think that kind of captures what I was thinking watching that game in particular. I just thought, uh, hey, this feels a little different than games that we've watched so far this season, uh, and I'm happy to see that the numbers kind of back up what we were thinking when you compare last night's game to what we've seen so far this season. I just really thought the pace had a lot to do with what we were seeing from Duke, a first half where, like we mentioned earlier, 45 points, you're scoring, the flow is in a much better spot. And then in the second half, there starts to be kind of a fouling issue that takes place. Louisville goes to the free throw line. They're able to knock a couple of down, and that margin shrinks a little bit. And then Duke needs, you know, other players to step up down the stretch, which they did. I know it feels to a lot of fans out there that Duke went on, or, or Louisville went on this crazy run to catch up. Their 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 biggest scoring run, five. That's it. <laughs> Uh, and that was in the, I think it was in the first half. They went on a, a one where they had 10 points. It kind of, I think it uh, stretched between uh, halves, but in one half, it was just five points. So it feels like, again, it wasn't a quick, quick thing, but at the end of the day, it was one that, you know, it gives you cause for concern because you want to see our teams, especially come into the second half playing very well, because that's been kind of how we've caught up and hang and hung on in some of these games so far this year. All right, JJ, we leave the bad in the past. We move on to the play of the game. There's a there's quite a few out there to choose from. Which was yours? I think I got to go with Tyrese Proctor in the second half, Donald. About seven minutes left. It is a five-point game for Duke, uh, leading over Louisville 65-60, I believe. And he hits that step-back three-point shot, left wing. I love the moment for Proctor, who's had just, again, this up-and-down season. He's getting a career-high 24 points on the night. He, you know, shushes the crowd and it really was kind of bought into the game in that moment. And after that shot was made, for me at least, like I said, with, with seven minutes left, Duke goes and gets another bucket quickly after that. You really feel like, okay, Duke's going to be able to find a way to put this one to bed, and they did. And so uh, for Proctor to have a play like that, uh, I was certainly impressed with. And Donald, again, when he makes some of those dribble moves – it's like, yeah, I get it. I understand why so many people at the next level love this guy because the space he can create 
in a split second is mm-hmm. wild, man. Absolutely wild. And I was glad to see the shot fall as well. I'm glad you mentioned that play. I think that play was the play of the game, but I want to mention one that occurred in the first half, also involving really the whole team, but ending with Tyrese <laughs> Proctor. It, it it was one of these plays. I, I think it was maybe midway through the uh, first, like it was right after the U uh, 12 media timeout. We come out and rerun this play where everybody on the floor touched the ball twice. And the one thing you mentioned about Tyrese Proctor being able to create some space from himself off the dribble, this is one where he created space for himself by running around the court and being, you know, just shifting his feet, moving into open space. He kind of moved down into the to the paint area. He grabs the ball as part of this, you know, myriad of passes that kind of go skip passes, go all the way across. He then just finds his man going towards the ball, which is on the other side of the court, and he drifts to the other end. There's a skip pass. I think Cal Fopowski threw it out to McCain. McCain skipped past over to Tyrese Proctor and has shot it. Nothing but nothing but net. And I, I like I was in my chair, this chair that I'm sitting in right now, I just stood up as that happened because that was a team basketball play. It was indicative of the type of passing that they were doing and, and how it can lead to such great things. And again, you mentioned being able to create space off the dribble. He was creating space just by moving, just moving around and getting his man caught up in ball watching. And that is an indicative is the quintessential team play. And I love team plays here uh, on the DBR podcast. So I think that was play of the game. Now we leave the Louisville game in the past. And JJ, I just want to talk to you for a minute about yeah. your show. Locked on Blue Devils podcast. It's it's our is you know we, we're a friend of the podcast. We've been on several times. Uh, you've been gracious enough to have us on. How's the show going so far? Like any cool guests you've had on lately, and, and what's what's been the what's been the mood over there? Yeah, no, it's been a whole lot of fun, Donald. I, I really enjoy getting to do the show with the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, a really cool company that was started several years ago by David Locke, who is the radio play by play voice of the Utah Jazz. So his last name being Locke. There's a fun play there, and he created the Locked On Jazz podcast. 25, 30 minutes kind of recapping what they wanted, and then immediately it just exploded. There's one for every single team in the association, and then the NFL gets involved in the NHL and baseball, and now we've got all these colleges too. And so uh, I was approached about being the Duke podcast host and couldn't pass up the opportunity. Um, I absolutely love getting the chance to kind of talk about the games each and every day throughout the week, Donald, and – Uh, Yeah, just in terms of guests, I love that each and every day I'm joined by someone else, right? Like you're not going to tune in and just hear me talk for 25, 30 minutes. One, personally, I don't think that's my strong suit. Two, I don't necessarily want to do that. I like to hear from other people and to be able to kind of have a back and forth, which is why I've loved having you and Jason both on a number of different times. Um, In terms of guests, I I think Dickie V is still kind of the all-time great that I've had, people that listen to the show each and every day hear Vital doing the intro for me for mm-hmm. the show. Uh, and, and yeah, that's still just a major bucket list thing that I was able to accomplish there with the program. How was that like? I mean, I've, I've met Dick uh, on the street. Obviously, yeah. I've met him in, in the many times in camera when I was a student uh, because he's he's been doing this for so, so long. And, and he's just always just a, a just wonderful guy to be around. Like, how was it? What was it like to kind of dive? And I know he has a ton of knowledge not just on Duke, but just on the game of basketball. Like, how? what was that like getting an interview and what kind of things you talk about? Yeah, unbelievable stuff. Uh, at, at this point, I was able to, or at the time, that had been about two years ago, that I was able to catch up with him. I'd had him, uh, you know, we mentioned my background, being an Auburn University alum, had hosted a, 
uh, radio show there in the state of Alabama, and I'd had him on the program to talk a little bit about the SEC basketball footprint. And so the connection's already there. But I knew that this guy is, you know, he is Duke basketball in a lot of ways, just from what people perceive and watch on the television screens and uh, being in the Cameron crazies and all of that. And so then I had to reach back out and say, hey, Dickie V, we got to have a conversation about Duke basketball. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'd absolutely love to. And so uh, for me, that was awesome. And then at the end for him to kind of film that intro or tape that intro for me was incredible to you hear he's awesome, baby. And then when he attaches it to your name and he says it with J.J. Jackson, that was surreal. That was awesome. <laughs> I believe you meant awesome with a capital A because that is yes. the, that is <laughs> that is Duke Vitale to us. Um, but also, you know, coming up when we look at the you know number of guests that you have on the show and, yeah. and obviously you're talking about Duke basketball every single day. Uh, we do this two to three times a week and, and sometimes four times a week. And, and that's a that's a lot for Jason and I. But you do this every single weekday. How what's been the state of the mood? about this team so far this year? Cause I know we've talked about how this team has in several ways underperformed what we thought was going to happen. But of course we're Duke fans. We have super high expectations and we like to place that pressure upon ourselves as a, as a school and as a team, what has been the mood like over from the people that you've talked to about how the season has gone so far. And that's what I love about the show, Donald, is that there are so many different voices that come on. And so the mood can fluctuate a little bit. It's not just kind of every single day you're attached to whatever mood I'm putting out there. I'm able to hear from other people. That being said, it's people that are incredibly close with the program who cover it each and every day uh, inside press conference stadiums. And then it's also just people that I've been able to connect with over the years online who have just active social media, Duke basketball opinions and thoughts. And we develop a friendship, a figure, this could be a good conversation to have. And then there you go. You've turned it into a lockdown blue devils podcast. So I say that to say, if there's anyone listening who feels like they would love an outlet to talk, let me know. My DMS are open uh, and check it out. That being said with this season in particular, uh, I, I think it has been kind of up and down. I think the mood was, Definitely in a really good spot throughout the course of that eight-game winning streak. You're really starting to build momentum like we were last season in that uh, 10-game winning streak going into the Tennessee game. But then, yeah, every loss that takes place, particularly over the weekend and into the start of this week, it felt like the sky was falling in so many ways because you had lost to a team that you beat by 22 points earlier in the season. So happy we got a win last night, Donald. I hope the mood continues going into the weekend against Clemson for sure, because the wins definitely have a lot to do with that. And I'm going to do a a more broader preview of Clemson later on this week, but just want to get your quick thoughts, because when we think about this next week and a half of basketball, we have that vaunted Saturday, Monday, back to back that, that most schools hate. We, we play at, we have Clemson on Saturday. We travel to Virginia tech on Monday. And then the following weekend, it's UNC, which feels super early to be talking about a UNC game, but it's the you know it's we're, we're entering February at that point, and UNC is on the menu. We go to Chapel Hill for that first game. When you think about this next week and a half of basketball, what are the things that you think that Duke needs to do to make sure that they go through this and emerge three and zero, which would be great, but just you know emerge as a team that everyone goes, hey, this Duke team, they put Pitt behind them, they're they're really back. Yeah, just the mood in general kind of 
continuing that portion of the conversation of what needs to take place. I unfortunately feel like Donald, a lot of it is going to be on the health of this team, right? And that's been something that we've been talking about a good bit are the injuries, who's going to be available, who's going to be out there on the court playing. And so can Jeremy Roach be out there and play for the Duke basketball team? I think Duke's going to be fine if he weren't able to go, but he's such a big part of what Duke wants to do on both sides of the floor. Clemson in particular is a really interesting one for me because you look at what they did this season, starting out the year undefeated until you had that state of South Carolina showdown where, oh my goodness, we've got undefeated South Carolina Gamecocks, undefeated Clemson Tigers. Who's going to come out victorious? And both teams at that point were playing a really high level of basketball. Clemson finds a way to win that game but after that, things kind of fell off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think Clemson has hit a couple of bumps in the road along the way. Shout out to South Carolina, by the way, for that big win over Kentucky last <laughs> night. They're still having a, a, a big season so far. But, yeah, I, I think Clemson has fallen off compared to where they were earlier in the year, which is a really positive thing for the Stoop team, and hopefully that continues on Saturday. We we always play them Terribly when we're at Little John Coliseum. We played right. a lot better when we're in Cameron. So I'm glad this game's in Cameron. But of course, they're still a, a very, very difficult basketball team to, to kind of tackle, led by PJ Hall, who is arguably one of the best players in the ACC. And no uh, I, it'll be it'll be a great game uh, to listen to and watch. Hey, JJ, before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find you on the interwebs and uh, tell, them, and tell them where to find the show. Yeah, absolutely. Locked on Blue Devils, available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, would absolutely love a five-star rating and written review. And do the same with DVR, right? The, the algorithms love when you take a couple of seconds to type out your thoughts on how much you enjoy the show. Uh, leave a five-star rating there. And then, uh, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. The show is posted visually for you to watch each and every day. And uh, I'm on Twitter, X, as they call it nowadays, at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore a lot of underscores, so uh, give me a follow over there, Donald. And again, thanks for the invite, man. This has been fun. No, thank you for being my partner in this. Uh, yeah. You know, again, JJ decided to go look for pirates and 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 find gold on on the ocean seas, Jason, that is. Uh, yes. and left and left me here. Uh, even left even left Cameron. Shout out shout out to Cameron. Uh, left Cameron at home because Cameron can't can't go in the water like that. But JJ, really appreciate you joining me on this episode of the DBR podcast. All right, Donald. Thanks so much, man. We'll do it again soon. And this is episode 585 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We are wrapping it here. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Duke Roundup. You can find us linktree.com slash DBR podcast. Find all our affiliate links. You can go support us and go to Home Field Apparel, 15% off with code DBR podcast and also Fanatics as well. We will be back later this week to preview Clemson. But until then, he's JJ Jackson. I'm Donald Wine. And now it's time for the Duke band to play us out and take us home. Thank you.